Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Talking Jacks Extra. I am Alex Warren and I am joined on this call today by uh, my co-host Ben Goshorn, aka Goose, and Drew Bartow of Defend Charleston, uh, which is a new soccer blog uh, revolving all things Charleston. How are you tonight, Drew? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Can't complain. Finally warming up a little bit. Excellent. After a little bit of snow earlier this week, which was bizarre, but uh, you know, it's just... Springtime in the Carolinas, I guess. Right. Yeah, that's for sure. But um, but yeah, thanks for joining us, Drew. Um, tell us uh, a little bit about the beginning of the season for the battery, um, and and how the season, how the off season's gone, and the beginning of the season's gone for the club. Right. So off season uh, saw most of the uh, 2018 roster return. A uh, couple of exceptions. Some of the reserve players were not re-signed. Um, they made some um, new acquisitions. They picked up Zico Lewis, who was the super draft pick um, 2017 for the Red Bulls, who saw significant time with the Red Bulls, too, before he went to go up and play in Iceland. Um, oh. He's he's <clears throat> played remarkably well. Um, Romario Peugeot, who was the uh, graduator from Coastal Carolina, same school as Justin uh, Portillo, um, did not see action last year because the USL did not clear him until late. So he had an excellent um, uh, challenge cup, and he's proven to be very effective in the attacking third. Uh, We saw that um, in North Carolina last weekend. Um, we saw the return, you know, Joe Kuzminski's back in goal. He had a stellar season. He only conceded 22 goals last season. Um, mm-hmm. we, we did see some of, um, familiar faces retire. Odisno Cooper retired. So he retired yeah. with the yeah. USL, uh, clean sheet record at 41, I believe it was 40, 41. So that was, that was a sad, a sad face to see leave. Um, but for the most part, we had an interesting challenge cup. We had pretty much, you know, the um, Cincinnati, Columbus, Chicago Fire. Um, we saw the, the boys come together. We saw that when against Ottawa and Hartford. And then we definitely saw that come together against North Carolina. So it's, it's exciting. Um, probably most of the people read the stuff in regards to the stadium and the land and a potential selling of that. Um, so that's been kind of a distraction. That's got a lot of people that are, that are passionate about, you know, the facility and and, and the legacy that's here, that potential change, which sometimes is good. Sometimes it's bad. It all depends on how you look at it. So we -hmm. just got out of a season ticket holder meeting where the front office basically had a Q and a and kind of laid it out and put facts out there that I don't think that most of the people had to kind of stop that negativity that's running amok in social media that happens when stuff like this gets put out. So it's, it's been an, it's been an interesting couple of weeks down here. So yeah, it's, it's definitely been hectic for y'all. That's for sure. Right. One thing I was curious on, correct me if I'm wrong, but did Peugeot pay, play for the Myrtle beach mutiny? I mean, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 In, in the PDL. That, but... Yeah. He saw action in the PDL. So, <clears throat> okay. Um, and we, so, Sorry, go ahead. Um, but, but yeah, so there has been that um, off the field um, news, I guess you could say, or rumors 
swirl it about the stadium. Is there anything as far as opinions you have about that situation or maybe you've heard today in that season ticket holder meeting that you'd like to talk about? Sure. I mean, I, I look at it this way, right? So they built this stadium. I think, you know, it was the first privately funded soccer specific stadium. You know, it's 20 years old this year, right? So it got built in 1999. Mm. The battery started playing downtown originally their first six seasons. So, you know, and I don't think that there's any other, um, any other facility like it in, in, in the D2 or D3 arena. I mean, you guys have seen the facilities. We have the three lions pub, the, largest private soccer collection that's out there and all that memorabilia. And there's a lot of history. So, mm. you know, but the, the same aspect is, is that this facility is probably one of the worst things because it is such a overhead and a huge cost to operate and maintain for a lower division soccer team. So, you know, Charlotte doesn't own their stadium. NCFC doesn't own their stadium. Most facilities don't. They, most of the expansion teams are co-leasing, you know, baseball stadiums or other college facilities. So, you know, you have to look at, you know, this is a business. You know, a lot has changed from talking with the front office. The USL has completely evolved. You know, 18 years ago, it is nowhere like it is today. I was talking with with our our team president. He said that, you know, they went down to USL headquarters last week. And he said that 18 years ago when he walked in that door compared to this week, it was a night and day difference. It was like walking into NFL headquarters in New York, you know, just that level of professionalism and where it where it's gone. So, you know, there's a lot of opinions. I think that a move downtown into a larger facility would be good that is centrally located for everybody. So, you know, Charleston is notorious for their traffic problems. You know, and centrally locating something for everyone to get to as opposed to pushing it off on the far side of town can really, I think, help and not so much hurt the hurt the team and, and their their end vision. Do you think the kind of the rumors that have been swirling will have any effect on the players mindset or do you think it's one of those things where like they're so short term? short-term minded that it's not really going to bother them the kind of speculation and stuff i you know i i've come out to watch them practice last week when when that stuff broke and it didn't really seem what anybody was talking about you know they were they were concentrated on north carolina and you know they had they had that bye week coach kept them busy you know they had the prep for north carolina and from what i saw this week they're like concentrating on charlotte so coach does a pretty good job of keeping them focused so you know i think i hope it doesn't distract from that i don't want it to be a distraction for for the team i think that this is one heck of a lineup and a roster and you know everybody seems to write the battery off every year but every year we make the playoffs when other teams don't so yeah that's definitely true and uh one player I was going to ask about was Atula Guerra. I know that there was uh, some issues with maybe his paperwork. Has any of that right. gotten sorted out? So it all involved when he went with Trinidad and Tobago to Iran for that friendly in Tehran. And there's there's stuff that they're working through with that. So when I asked the front office, they said it's being worked on, but there's no update. So... 
Well, that's a shame. You know, that we hate to see players, especially players of that caliber, miss time due to right. issues right. that you know are out of, outside of everybody's control. So that that's a bummer. Right. And he was he, he was huge for the team last year. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a lot of goals to try to replace. So you know, I'm hopeful that when I look at how Ian Fantessen is playing, how Zico Lewis is playing, how Romario Peugeot is playing, you know, we had some players that were banged up coming out of CCC and some of the 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 friendlies that we had in the preseason, and then you know just normal training, hamstrings, leg injury, stuff like that. So we're starting to see those players come back. So you know we have we have a mostly healthy roster. I'm not seeing any injuries reported that that have players out. So. I'm I'm definitely excited for for what we have coming up this weekend. That's good. Is um is the basic tactics uh pretty much the same as it's been the last few years, where the the shape is basically a three four three, give or take nope. a little bit of movement up front. Actually, not. He's actually retooled uh-huh. it. Coaches retooled it in a four two three one. Oh, okay. So so we had that. You know, we had issues with scoring up front last year in the beginning of the season and they retooled to like a three, four, three to kind of contain that. Um, and that led to, I think what well, we have 14 draws last year. So, I mean, so, I mean, there was a lot of points left on the table because of that. And coach went out and like I said, he's got, he's got, you know, Zico Lewis. Now he's got Romario Peugeot. They picked up the Columbia university grad, Arthur Bosua, so there is a lot of of attacking strength up front. So, you know, his goal is to score goals. He wants to to maintain maintain possession. He expects that, but he wants to score goals and then, you know, do what Charleston does best, shut everybody down with the wall of doom on the back line. So That's interesting to hear that he's, you know, in his millionth year coaching and he's still <laughs> making adjustments <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, he's, it's it's amazing his vision and what he can see and how fast he can adapt and retool and his ability to take these players you know we don't have a huge budget you know we're not cincinnati we're not indy 11 we're not nashville where we're flush with like you know just powerball cash right so, you know, we find these players and coach knows exactly what he's looking for. He knows what he's looking for in a defender. He knows what he's looking for in a midfielder. He watches tape. He scouts these players out. I think we signed like six, six, seven, seven new players this year. And they've all, they're all have the ability to, to be in the starting 11. And some of them actually have had, have done that. So, you know, we had AJ Patterson which he played for Wright State. Um, he went down in the Nations League. He scored two goals in November. He scored another goal for Grenada. You know, Zico Lewis is out there scoring for Bermuda, put Bermuda into the Gold Cup, first time in team history for them with yeah, a goal and assist. That. So, you know, we have these proven players that can do it, not just at the USL, but the international level. And that that's exciting to watch. That's exciting to know that we have that talent. And Coach has all these options where last year we were kind of thin. So, 
you know, it's it's good to know that, you know, while Atula is still waiting to get back here, we still have the ability for a threat in the attacking third. So who right, so- is the X factor on Saturday or on Sunday, excuse me? Who's it going to be that that maybe won't jump off the page immediately uh, when you look at the lineup, but could have a huge impact. I, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you now, I've been writing about it in, in the past couple of weeks, but Romario Peugeot and Zico Lewis, I think are, are definitely something that has to be contained. Um, the way they play the ball with each other is, is just incredible. Given the short amount of time that they've known each other um, to watch them in practice. It's like, they almost, they know exactly where each other is at. And you saw that in that buildup for the goal against North Carolina, where Taylor Mueller kicked it, you know, from outside the 18 on the long pass. And, and Romario really just had his back turned and chipped it right off to, to Zico. And Zico drove a good 18 yards unopposed. And then was self, you know, was, was selfishness pass off to Ian, who had come around the backside of, the NCFC backline and scored that goal. So, you know, that's something that, that North or at Charlotte is going to have to watch is, is that front line coming at them. So, and Zika was fast and when I'm like blazingly fast. So they had, he almost had a goal in the 27th minute. They had a free kick and um, they tried to, to cross it across the box and Zico picked it off and was gone. Um, and then just took that unlucky <laughs> deflection off, off, off the pipe. So he could have went in, but it came out. And then they luckily, North Carolina cleared it. But that could have been 2-1 right there. Hmm. And, and one thing, do you think it, it looks like uh, Sven Tessen has already had two goals on the season so far? Right. Um, what do you think has been the difference for him this year is with getting those early goals. Is it more about him being comfortable in Charleston? Is it uh, Anheuser more adjusting to his style of play, or, or what do you think right. is contributing to that? So when I interviewed Ian last year when he came to Charleston, you know, I asked him what was the biggest difference between the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference, and he said the physicality. The physicality of the Eastern mm-hmm. Conference was not something that he was used to playing in in Tulsa so that's gotten he had get used to that um the way coaches playing him up front was different than what he was used to and there were concerns on whether or not that he was going to be able to make it and be able to produce um Atula took a lot of that pressure off him scoring those 15 16 goals last season um but we saw it in the preseason um they had a, a an exhibition game and he made this diving header. It was just insane. And, you know, we started to see that in the challenge cup. He scored in the challenge cup once again, like he did last year. So, and then he's already scored two goals in, in, in the first three matches. So I think that he's comfortable. I think that he understands like what you said, how coach wants him to play the formation you know, the buildup, he's gotten a lot better handling the ball. He looked very unsure last year with the ball handling. He did not look very confident uh, in the aerials, which you would think that someone at 6'6", it should be naturally easy for them. Um, yeah. But there's been a lot of work in the offseason. I've come to practice where they're working on that. And, and he's 
learn to to manage that ball, get the ball down, turn with it, and get it off. So I think that, you know, he had, what was it, 13 goals with Tulsa, but they had to forfeit one game because they played an ineligible player. So he on the on paper, he only scored 11. But, I mean, mm-hmm. I think that he's capable of doing that season. I mean, we're already, you know – you know, match three and he's got two goals. So I yeah. think that that's definitely doable. Yeah. Do you have anything for us, Drew? Any questions? So Enzo's back. Mm-hmm. He's our favorite player. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to bring the, the Enzo champ back. So with, with the new coach, how is that working out for you guys? I know that you seem to, to start off slow, but you, you almost came back against Indy and and you definitely came back against Atlanta, but Romario came back to haunt you again. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) that's, that's somebody that he's, you need to watch because he's going to be big. So, yeah, it's really, it's a little too early to tell with the new coach. um, To be honest, I think the issues uh, that we've seen are kind of similar to issues that we've had the last few years with Coach Jeffries. So right. it's a little, um, it's a little strange, I guess, because <laughs> you know the guy that is known for, at least in the in, in Gaelic football, he's known for defense, um, and obviously that hasn't been the case so far. Uh, but it's a, it's a very different system in terms of defending than we're than we've ever played before. I think what's happening is there's just a lot of disconnect. Um, right. It relies on you know surrounding the ball up the high up the field, and it seems like everybody's just a step too slow at every, at each level, and so it's it's causing a lot of domino effect plays where one guy misses his assignment, and then the next three guys miss their assignments, and leads to a goal. That's been right. almost every goal we've given up. Um, so right. if, if we can get if they can get everybody on the same page, I, then maybe we'll we'll see some different results because going forward the team is is as good as ever. Um, right. I mean, we've got I mean, some crazy I mean, talented scored, players. Yeah, year. I mean, you're scoring multiple goals, so goal scoring is not an issue. Yeah, it's so. Uh, it's going to be interesting to watch to see if we break out of the habits uh, eventually of the, the the bad defensive assignments and stuff. Right. So, and then how's how's um, Duck at retirement? I mean, that's a big blow to you guys too, right? Definitely. Yeah, that was. Um, I don't know. If it was kind of unexpected in terms of coming into the season, but after preseason, we hadn't heard anything about him. Um, and, and, and kind of, he went dark a little bit on social media in terms of not saying anything about signing with a new team. So once it got to be about, you know, a week two or three, and he hadn't announced that he was signing with a league one team or another team in the championship, it kind of assumed that he would be uh, walking away. But, um, it seems like he, he made the, the best decision for him and he seems happy about it. So, Right. Uh, but it's definitely he's definitely gonna be missed on the field, I think. Right. And then so you I like I I've been you know, I watch all the, the, the social media and the transaction logs and stuff like that. So you can you explain that Celtic player that that Nashville wanted but they wouldn't <laughs> let sign but somehow managed to show up in Charlotte? Yeah. So essentially um, I guess his MLS rights are owned by the Chicago Fire, right? Because he's a Chicago Fire Academy kid, uh, right? Been there since he was 
like a, I don't know, 13, I think you said. Um, right. So I guess they had, they tried to sign him to a homegrown offer. And he was on Hugh Roberts' podcast, and he said that essentially they tried, every year he was in college, they tried to sign him to a homegrown deal. And the offer just never got better. Um, so he, he, he just felt like it was better for him to explore other options. And so he went on trial first at Rangers, actually. Um, and then Celtic wanted to sign him straight up without even a trial. So we signed right. Celtic. I think they, they wanted to send him to Nashville. And I don't know if it was the fire or the league. Somebody made a big stink about it. Um, you know, despite Nashville not competing in MLS this year, they decided that, you know, that if in order to acquire his him on loan, they would have to make a deal with Chicago. And so uh, right. I guess through the uh, – because Coach McGinnis, our, our head coach, has a history at Celtic. That's where he started his career in soccer. He worked there for four or five years uh, before working a little bit in China. So he has a, a little bit of a relationship with, with the club. So that I guess that's how that happened. Um, but, yeah, it was, it, it's been interesting. But he's played all three matches 90 minutes for us so far. He seems like a pretty talented player. Uh, you can tell he, he's um, very attack-minded for a left back. He wants to get forward, wants to score a lot of goals, wants to you know, get in and around the box. So that's definitely something to watch. Um, that, that left flank can be vulnerable defensively for us because of how far forward he gets. Right, right. Well, that's a dangerous threat. Someone that can play that much forward. <clears throat> yeah, scored a goal already and, and has looked threatening to score multiple goals. Uh, scored a ton of goals at Indiana from that mm, left right. position. So he's definitely one to watch for us, for sure. <laughs> that's Coach Anheuser's alma mater right there. I think they'll have plenty of things to talk about. There you go. Interesting. Yeah, the, the, th the things that you find out when you interview people. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Drew, we really appreciate you joining us. Uh, we don't want to keep you too long. I know you're at the season ticket holder event. so Right. Um, if there's anything we can do for you before the game, let us know. And uh, okay. where, can our read, where can our listeners read your work? So defendcharleston.soccer is the blog. And then they can follow us on Defend Charleston on uh, Twitter and Defend Charleston on Facebook as well. Cool. Well, uh, I think there's a pretty sizable group making the trip, uh, despite it being a Sunday. I will not be among them because the, because the want, game was moved back, which I'm right. a little bit upset about. Um, right. But. Well, we're having we're having the, the Sunday brunch, so you know Sunday brunches in Charleston are, are <laughs> one thing, but I think the regiment we're taking it to another level this weekend. So awesome! Yeah. Gonna, I didn't have to miss that. But I will, shrimp and grits and Bloody yeah. Marys and bottomless mimosas. So, and the one thing the front office has done this year is we've moved the tailgate out in front of the west gate. And then um, we set up uh, mini pitches and foot tennis. All right. So we kind of got an interactive tailgate this year. So That's awesome. Look forward to having all the jacks come down. And I can't wait for the infographic, too. <laughs> <laughs> all righty, man. Well, uh, I will unfortunately miss out, but I'm sure Goose looks forward to hanging out and the rest of the crew that <clears throat> heads down there. Sure well, we'll I'll make sure time. I'll make sure that Ben brings you a gift from Charleston. I so. appreciate that. <laughs> All righty, Drew. Well, I hope you have a good rest of your day. All right. Thanks. You guys have a good night. Thank, Thank you, you, Drew. All right.